Hey, this is Whirlins the Dwarf. And I'm Adeldia the Elf. And we're from the Elf and Dwarf Podcast. And you're listening to the Roleplay Tavern. Roleplay Tavern. I'm Demis. I'm Deadly. And we're back. Yay! Okay, Deadly, you're supposed to start today, so go. <laughs> it's all you. Yeah, so first off, I have some emails that I was going to talk about. And the first one is from Lumid from Wow Add Ons. <laughs> And he goes, hey guys, this is Lumid slash Punchbowl here with the RP-related question. In past shows, you've talked about developing your background story. My question is, how do you present that story to others? For instance, if I was in a local pub, should I start role-playing with my character as he is? Or should I take some time to give other people around to scoop, get scoop on my character? For instance... Punchbowl, as a character, has two sides of him, one that is kind and gentle and one that is a darker side that is only present while in shadow form. But I feel with a complex background like that, if I were to go into town and start role-playing as a shadow form, some people wouldn't get it. Is there a preferred method of giving out all the needed info, and how do you go about role-playing as your character? I use Roleplay Helper, an add-on, but surely not everybody has that mod and can't see my background. Any tips would be welcome. Feel free to use this on your next show. Thanks, Lumid. All right, so that was a very lengthy email, and it took a lot of thinking because I'm myself just now, not just now getting into roleplay, but just how to, like, roleplay with other people in just random events. So I responded with, now generally, when sitting around in an inn or a pub and start roleplaying to a person, they just don't normally walk up and ask you everything about your character. Most people just normally just start saying hello or just depends on also where your environment is and what you're doing. So from your character story alone, their attitude on life and everything sort of around it would normally sort of reflect on your character, so what's happened in the past. So like with my character... I'm not really getting into it right now with my blog because I'm still writing it up, but she has two sides of her, which is, well, not necessarily two sides, but two people. So her personality sort of got split into two people, where her more bold and feisty side is this character named Elise, and then the incident with spiders in the past. And they're really, really scared of them. You can make that in role-playing, where, like, if they were to see a spider, like, crawl across the table, they would start just freaking out and going crazy. Or if they had something against a certain race or class, they would show it. It's like if they just really hated orcs for some reason, they would just really shun the orcs and be really mean to them if they were to walk up and role-playing. 
Um, just by how you react, would normally have people ask a lot of questions about your character and why they're like that. So if your character just wouldn't drink at all, most people would want to ask, well, why don't you drink? And through that, you can also let them know. It gives them a brief history of what's going on. But if you would sit there and talk about the lengthy, long, drawn-out story, most people aren't going to want to hear it right away. So you want to try perking their interests and giving them something to more wonder about, and even in your mood, per se, that people will want to know what's wrong. So if you're in a really grumpy mood, people are going to ask what's wrong, why are you like that? And through there, you can explain what's going on with your character. And if your character also has two sides, then just let them know, just kind of show them. So sometimes showing two different sides of a person can take a lot of time, depending on the effect of it. So... For Punchbowl, since his character has shadow form, then maybe think about what causes them to go into that form. Is it like a choice or something that more random happens? So if it was, say, random, they could just slip into the shadow form with role-playing. They can act totally different than from how they were before. And with the My Roleplay mod, not everybody goes in and reads a lot of the details about your character, especially the lore. Like with mine, my character has a really drawn-out lore before, and I had to end up changing it. But people who do have my roleplay, generally just you look at the names from what I've noticed and they'll call you by that name too. But it's nice to have a lot of the real roleplay that comes from you instead of just your mod. So that was my response. And it's a good response. And it's good that everybody should know that. It was a really good question. And he had a really good point. So I'm glad that we could talk that over. Now another thing you can do when you're roleplaying is you can use your professions. And not just for gear like everybody thinks. Such as tailoring. You can make the simple black dress, the wedding dress, the tuxedo, the simple dress. You've got tons of t-shirts. You can make the festival dresses. Use those. Wear them in town. I don't wear the same outfit when I'm in town. Well, I look like I'm wearing a bathing suit in my armor, for one. And I'm a mage. For two, I am supposed to be, you know, this really high-power mage, and I don't look anything like it when I'm in my actual armor. So I've created an outfit using my tailoring that makes me look a little bit more like what my character is. So when I go into a pub or, you know, wherever I go to roleplay that day, be it down in Goldshire or up in Stormwind, I look like my character's acts. You know, it makes a little bit more sense than me walking around in an orange hat and armor that looks like a bathing suit. Now, I love that armor because it's good armor, but it doesn't suit the role-playing. You can There are tabards. You can use Deviate Delights, which are just wonderful. You can make pirate outfits out of tailoring. I can make them on Blackwater Raiders. I love to make them. I've walked around for a long time in a pirate's outfit. Then there's all the holiday stuff, such as the festival dress, the winter hats, the Halloween mask, the lovely dresses, and that kind of stuff. If you just get one... Keep it in a slot in your bags, and then every time you hit town, just switch in so that when you're role-playing, your character looks like it acts. Yeah, I know that with my character, Dudley, is that she has so many dresses that whenever you see her in town, she's never wearing the same thing. And I actually only have one actual dress dress besides the festival dress, which is just a simple black dress. And what I actually use is I'll just buy a lower-level armor. And a lot of that, how it looks on Blood Elves, it's really pretty how the armor shows up on them, especially the girls. But I'll just go around, I'll buy certain robes. So I'll just buy, like, I know I was using the night sky robe, and it's blue. And then I'll just buy, like, some gloves. 
and I'll walk around with that and some shoes. And it's around level 25, and it's not an actual dress, but it's still dressy. Yeah, exactly. And then there's, like, if you're a higher level, you've got the Orb of Deception, which is just really cool because, like, as an alliance, I really want to get it just because I think it would be so cool to be a troll. Just suddenly be a troll or something of that sort using the Orb of Deception. Because then you're, you know, especially if you're something that um, is constantly changing form in your roleplay, what you can do using the Deviate Delights, or if you're a pirate, or if you're someone who likes disguises, the Orb of Deception is great, because suddenly you're this Alliance character, and you look like you're a horde. And you can run around like that. So I absolutely, that's another thing that you can use. And there's a lot of that stuff out there. I haven't even discovered all of it. But it's so much fun to just go through and figure out what looks best and how to be a pirate. I mean, I've run around as a pirate down in um, Stranglethorn Vale pretending to be a pirate with all the other NPCs. And people just laugh, and I laugh with them. It's a lot of fun. So, I mean, I've also I've noticed with the rogues is that, because I just made a rogue, and the ones that I see role-playing, they don't re- always dress up. Like, they'll just go walk around in their armor. And, I mean, their armor looks really cool, so, I mean, sure, if they can do that. But they don't normally wear dresses or get all dressed up sort of thing in town. But it also depends on, I know one of my friends that I met in the game a couple weeks ago, he role-plays as a bartender as a part-time job, so he'll get all sort of dressed up and put on a nice shirt and that sort of thing and pretend he bartends. But because of his history in that, I guess he has some kind of a warning sign on his head in a sense, he walks around in a bandit mask, the blood off bandit mask. So whenever he's in town, he always has a mask over covering his face. Yeah, little stuff like that with outfits can make the game really cool and can help with your character and the way people react to your character. Because if I'm sitting in an inn or in a city and I'm role-playing with someone, I do pay attention to what they're wearing. It's a big factor if they're wearing their armor that they're fighting in, if they're level 70 and they've got this really great gear, well, that comes across to me as either one, you're really, really into your gear, or two, you're a warrior. Nine times out of ten, you're really, really into your gear. And if you're role-playing, you don't want that to come across, even if you are. Lord knows, anything with intellect, it's on, on my mage. But not when I'm in town, because I don't need it, and I can look like a mage versus someone who cares about armor. So you can still do both, which is really important. And what I've noticed was, of course, from my friends who are level 70s is that they'll sometimes go in the inns, like right as they get out of Karazhan or some kind of an instance or dungeon. So it makes them look like they just came out of battle, in a sense, too, because I have some friends who are normally dressed up in town, and they'll come in their armor into an inn or so, and I'll be like, oh, you guys just came out of Karazhan or some kind of dungeon, and we can talk about it that way as well. Right. And we keep talking about all these things you should do, but there are also things you shouldn't do. There's a lot of do's and don'ts. And we've kind of put together a list through various websites. We haven't come up with all of this on our own. And, um, I mean, there's just there's a lot of things that you should and shouldn't do as a general rule. So we've kind of tried to figure out some of them. Yeah, so that's where I come in. I actually stole this off an EverQuest site. I didn't steal all of it. I thought of some of myself as well. But I sort of combined the two. So one of the do's is to choose your character traits that you want before creating your character. I always look at my character 
when I'm creating a character, I look at the hairstyle, I look at the classes, the race, and I think about what do I want to play? Is this going to be a girly girl character? If so, I don't want her to have short hair and look like a tomboy. It doesn't do much for you. So when you're creating a character, stop, take a minute to think about it. Don't, you don't have to plan out everything right away, but take a minute to figure out what you want to do with this character. I know with how Dudley is, her hair is long. Her hair is golden blonde, and it's long, and it goes to her shoulders. And her alter ego, Elise, looks exactly like Dudley, but she's a rogue. So her hair is same color, same face, everything, but it's tied back in a ponytail. The second one is, do you think about your character's personal history? Which city did she come from? What his or her family was like? Does she have any intense likes or dislikes or obsessions and phobias? Which is really important. You know, Adela's a blood elf, but that doesn't necessarily mean she came from Silvermoon. Now, she is. Um, but I know people who have blood elves that came from Undercity because the parent had them while they were visiting Undercity or something like that. Or, you know, they were dropped off the, at the doorstep of Undercity because the parents didn't want them. Things like that. And you don't, like I said, you don't have to plan it out all right away, but you should kind of try to think about it, figure it out, because that's part of your personality. And don't feel that you have to role-play yourself. Role-playing a character significantly... I can't say any words tonight. Yeah, exactly. Significantly. (laughs) There we go. Significantly different than your own personality is one of the joys of role-playing. You can be an up character who's always happy. You can be a down character who's always sad. You can be the complete and utter opposite of yourself. You don't have to play yourself. Now, some people do because that's what they're comfortable with, and that's okay, too. But don't feel that you have to be yourself in-game because to role-play means you're playing someone else. Yeah, and with me, Dudley is more the opposite of me because I'm sort of tweaking her characters have been ever since I made Elise, is that Deadly's more shy, and she's not very sociable. I mean, she talks, but she doesn't have the right street smarts and the right social skills, so she'll say just stuff that people are just kind of like, what? Or she'll come out of some certain way trying to be nice, but it ends up being offensive because she doesn't have that kind of thoughts and memories of how you interact with other people to get what you want in a sort of way, and that she hasn't made very many friends out of that either, and she doesn't have a good grasp of people's feelings in a way either, so she'll do stuff that will make somebody really mad if she doesn't understand why she did it. But with Elise, she's, of course, the exact opposite of Deadly, which is, like I said before, she's the other half of Deadly's feelings and sort of thoughts that she needs. And so Elise, she's very bold and outgoing, and she knows how to work people and how to get what she wants out of people, but still make friends. So Elise is more like me in a way, and Dudley's the opposite, which makes it really hard for me to role-play Dudley right But that's now. okay, and you don't have to role-play all the time, but you should have fun doing it. Now, don't feel either that you have to role-play the same gender. I do, and Dudley pretty much do, but if you're a guy and you want to role-play a girl... Feel free. I know girls that role-play guys, and I know we've covered a little bit about this already, but you don't have to role-play the gender that you are. If you don't like your gender, because I know people who are just like, I'm sick and tired of being female and being pretty and having all these expectations, go be a guy. 
go be something different. Go do something out of the ordinary that you can't normally do in life. Yeah, and then the second one is if you are going to role play about the opposite gender and you decide to gender bend, that women and men have significantly different, you know, desires and that sort of thing. So if you're going to role play as a male and you're a girl, learn more about guys. Don't make it this big womanizer who's really greedy and all he wants is women because guys aren't going to like you for that. It doesn't always have your view on the opposite gender is how you're going to role play your character. Correct. You should always consider making notes about the actions of your character and who witnesses that so that you can kind of keep track of your own history and keep track of who knows what about your character because if you lose, if you get hit over the head and the first person you see is person A, well then person A, you're going to be able to talk more about it with than person B who you meet five days the next one is, do you keep your character's age in mind? So if your character is more childlike, adolescent, adult, or elder, elderly, how does that affect your character's behavior? So if your character is really immature and childlike, or they're just younger, then you don't want to make them sound very grown-up sort of way, because also if you're constantly changing, then it'll sort of confuse people and if they're elderly depending on their personality you don't want to make them very like wild and crazy and out there and really daring like an adolescent or an adult would be yeah it does make a big difference and i hate to say it but really if you i i haven't much thought about it basically i go with what level my character is my mage is level 61 therefore she's an adult you know um Demis is level, shoot, I leveled today, what level am I? I'm 19 now. <laughs> and so she's still pretty young. She's in her teens, so to speak, still. So I kind of try to base it upon level just because it makes it a little bit easier. And then you can create a history for yourself as you go. And you can role play the whole thing out. But your level and your age doesn't necessarily have to mesh as well because... I'm still going to play Lise as very spunking and spunking, spunky and outgoing, even when she hits level 70, which will probably never happen, just thinking if she ever does. And I know with even Ayumi, I don't necessarily roleplay her, but if I was to roleplay Ayumi, who is a 70, I wouldn't make her all old and sort of like middle-aged sort of way. I would still play her as sort of like this teenager kind of person, which would more be roleplaying myself. <laughs> Um, don't try to constantly speak in the Shakespearean language. Like, the these and thous, are, they're really pretty, but they can be really annoying if you just constantly are saying, thou speakest thy sort of thing. So you want to use them when appropriate, like as in a very formal setting. But if your character doesn't talk like that, I just wouldn't even bother with it. I know that humans more would talk in that sort of language, so to speak, but if you're a troll, then just it wouldn't work out too well. To maintain consistency, if you're, did you say that already? Okay, making sure. No. Gosh, we're horrible. <laughs> we have editing to do. You have editing. have editing. I'm making you a thing right now, actually, so that you can edit and upload. Okay. Back to this. Okay. Do attempt to maintain consistency if your character <laughs> speaks in a drawl or a dialect 
for example, dropping the dial at sunlight will ruin the suspicion of disbelief. A troll who is talking in troll tongue will run into role-playing problems if he suddenly starts speaking in coherent English. It's better for the troll to be intelligent enough to carry on a conversation in the first place than it is for him to suddenly become intelligent. Yeah, it's also, you want to be consistent with your character. If I know that a lot of the trolls on my server, they talk with this more Jamaican sort of accent. So if you're going to just start talking really proper and straightforward, people are just kind of look at you like, what what happened? And I mean, like, even with gnomes, I haven't role-played a gnome. I will never play a gnome. But if I was in role-play as a gnome, I wouldn't sound all, like, shakespearean I'd sound more squeaky and more really peppy because they're really, really small. <laughs> yeah, same here. It, it changes depending on who your character is, what class and race they are, and how you want to play them. But try to be consistent in your speech at all times. Now, the next is a really big one, is that don't try to force those around you to role play, especially when it's somebody who you don't know. Trying to get in a pickup group to role play is usually just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Uh, now, I've been accused of forcing people to role play. Unfortunately, but I don't try to force people to role play. I don't go up and point at them and say, you have to role play. But at the same time, if you're not role playing and someone is, you should try to respect that. But the people around you don't have to role play. Just because you're on a role play server doesn't mean they're going to role play. Nine times out of ten, they're not going to. And you just kind of have to put up with that and ignore it. So that's not necessarily not everybody's not going to roleplay. I mean, if I was running an instance, which is just a pug, I wouldn't just start going out full-on roleplaying. I would maybe even ask if you guys are roleplay or not, and if you guys wanted to roleplay the instance. But if I was walking in an inn or something, I am 99.9% .9 of the time full-on roleplaying. And I'll talk out of character to explain something because people get confused a little bit. But in instances, I wouldn't necessarily role play if I was having to have a big part of the group and having to organize everything. But I've been getting a lot of 70 runs recently, so it's easier to role play when you're not having to do a ton of work in a dungeon as well. Okay, and I don't have any more than that. Um, let's see. Oh, do try to stay in character around those who you don't know, but don't be afraid to drop out of character if you have to, which sort of revolves around what I just said before, is that if you're planning on being a full-time role player, you want to stay in character with people who are very unfamiliar to you, but if that person just straight up saying, like, dude, what are you doing, then... Go ahead and drop out a character and let them know I'm role-playing. Or if they need help or they can't explain something, then you're going to want to just let them know. So, I mean, don't be afraid to drop out a character. I've noticed that even in, like, general trade, people don't role-play in general trade. They don't role-play in general chat. I mean, you can, but I haven't seen it a lot. And that sort of thing is that even as a hardcore role-player, you're not going to role-play or be in character all of the time. The next one is don't use abbreviations or quote-unquote lead speak when role-playing. It's much more convincing to use complete words and sentences. That's really important. 
it really ruins the effect when I'm sitting there in this inn and I'm role-playing with this really cool guy or girl or whoever and we're role-playing and suddenly instead of typing U as Y-O-U, they type the letter U, it just ruins the whole thing. Or saying instead of I shall return in a moment, they just type BRB. Or something like that. If you're role-playing, try to keep typing things out. Don't say hacks as H-A-X and that kind of thing. It just, when you're, it's the same thing with consistency. If you're going to talk one way, keep talking that way. Try to use some proper grammar and not all this internet slang. Yeah, people, it also has a respect level. Is that if you're role-playing with somebody who's been role-playing and you've seen them and you know they're good, you want to try and sound professional and as intelligent as possible. If you're going to use abbreviations, I just I would recommend you don't. And if spelling errors, I've noticed that I've made some spelling errors, and I'll put, like, an asterisk, then I'll put the correct spelling, then, like, the parentheses after it, letting them know I had a typo. But if you're going to start saying LOL, in role playing, people are going to either walk away or just sort of have less of a respect level for you because they're thinking, all right, this person's a total noob. So, I mean, you want to try and sound as proper and professional as possible when you're role playing, but if your character, okay, I won't say proper, but you want to try and sound as intelligent as possible when role playing as a person, not as a character. The second one is that do use in game items to role play. Forge items and trade skill items will make an excellent roleplay accessory, which is what Damis talked about, as in the dresses and the tailoring sort of thing. Yeah, because it can be used for a lot of things. And I know I mentioned a lot of, like, in town, but it doesn't even have to be that. If you're sitting at the dark portal, why the heck are you going to be in armor unless you're getting ready to go into battle? If you're getting ready to head into battle, then yes, you need your armor. If you're waiting on a friend, well, why are you going to be in armor? You're just chilling. So it all depends on what you're role-playing, how you're role-playing. But it, you don't have to be in the greatest, best gear ever because it doesn't it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, and you, if you have perfect armor, it doesn't always look the best because unless you have a set, which typically I don't, I, ha- I mix and match. So it doesn't always look the best when I'm trying to role-play. The another really important one is don't use role playing as an excuse to act in an offensive or abusive manner to people around you. Oh yeah. Don't don't use it as an excuse. That's just that's a general rule and I don't know what else more to say about that because that's perfect the way you put that. Yeah, I mean I've noticed that some people, even, they'll just use their hatred for other classes, and they'll just be straight out, flat out rude and mean, and then people are just getting mad, like, oh, I'm just role-playing, you should know that. But there's an extent to how you take your role-playing, especially with people who you don't know too well. Even if you're role-playing people who you do know, just being flat out rude and just mean, even getting under their skin out of character, you just don't want to do that because you're not going to gain any friends that way and you're not going to gain respect that way as well. Right. Another? Oh, okay. go on. Like we've, you've heard, there's a lot of do's and don'ts and there's a lot more and we'll try to keep going through the next couple of episodes but we don't want to make 
you know, we don't want you guys to get bored with all these do's and don'ts because there are a lot of them. So we'll try to do a few each so from here on out to help you guys out. Now, normally during this part of the show, we start talking about the lore. But we got an email. Now, I haven't read the email in a while, so Deadly, you want to tell a little bit about the email and what it said? Yeah, this one was pretty much this guy who said he's a total lore junkie, and he knows that we were getting a little bit confused on parts in the lore, so he sent me a better clarification of the elven lore. So he said that the elves and WoW are all related. When Azeroth was first created, they were these nocturnal humanoids. Some even in the Warcraft universe thought they were trolls. Some of them settled on the shores of the Well of Eternity, a very magical lake. These humanoids were transformed by the lake's magic and became night elves. Within their society, they were a group called the Highborn. The Highborn used magic and began trafficking with demons, though they thought the demon lord, Sargeras, was a god. Some Highborn were transformed into satyrs as a gift. The highborn tried to summon the demon god with the magics of the well of eternity, but luckily Malfurion Storm Rage, the first mortal druid, was able to gather the non-humanoid night elves, dragons, de- demigods, torn furblogs, I can't pronounce that, <laughs> etc., to drive the demons away the first time the burning legion was ever defeated. The well of eternity imploded, however, and the single continent of Commodore was split into two. The maelstrom in the center of the map now remains of the well. Some highborns were trapped by the imploding well and turned into Naga by its magic. The highborns that survived were banished from Commodore and went to the other continent, now the Eastern Kingdoms. They were already addicted to magic, and they got pale and blonde because of it being deprived from it. Eventually, they found the sun well and created Kale the Lost, naming themselves High Elves. A long time later, after a bunch more stuff happened, which I could write about, but you don't have time to read it and would bore you. So the High Elves are pretty much destroyed by the Scourge, like you said, and the remaining High Elves named themselves Blood Elves in honor of their dead brethren from Switch. So this email not only got into the Night Elves, but it got more into the Blood Elves, which we'll end up covering later. But I thought it was really informative, and it made me have a bit more of an understanding. About yeah, it really helps. About. Sometimes we don't always get the best info, and that's one of the things we wanted to talk about this week instead of doing another race, was where to find the lore. One of the big things is, of course, worldofwarcraft.com. You can find information all throughout there, especially with the new races. If you go to the Outland site, there's a lot of information on them. But you can also go to wowwiki.com. That is a great resource. They have a Brief history, they have characteristics of each race and class. It's a really, really great area. There's also several books out there created by Blizzard, which gives details into the background. Now, I don't own any of those, so you don't need them to figure it out. But there's tons of websites out there that will give you all this information. So if you're not sure, just go back, look, and go find it. It's there. It's all out there. It's all on the internet. It's the World Wide Web, after all. Yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll go look for those, and I'll put them up on the blog or the website later. 
And there's actually also Warcraft manga. And I sadly have one of the books that I bought two years ago. And it doesn't get too much into the lore, but it's more just like a Warcraft story in a sense. And that was pretty interesting. Yeah, because they're single stories. They're not like just all about the lore and what's happened. It's kind of like what's happening now. They're pretty cool. Like I said, you don't have to buy the books, though, to be able to know a lot of the lore. You just got to go out there and search WowWiki, WorldOfWarcraft.com. There's all these great sites, and we'll make sure to link them in the blog and leave you guys a list. And other than that, I think that's it. Yep. <laughs> so, I am Demis. And we're not switching Dudley. roles today. And we'll see you guys next week. The newest episode of Roleplay Town. Yeah.